Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour Podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and on this episode of the CGA Tour Podcast, I'm joined by none other than the men's college basketball fan, or college basketball fan in general, I should say, Alexi Bulwark at Deep Pockets AB. If you're just watching on YouTube, you'll get the reference, but uh, at Deep Pockets for sure. Alexi, how's it going? Calvin, it's going very well and i'm pumped for this because we haven't done one of these in so long so i'm excited to talk some college basketball oklahoma state really anything that we want to discuss tonight i'm ready yeah well uh you know what i probably won't quiz you over uh the ice skating championships that are uh currently happening but um we'll just keep it to the simple sports here at the end of the day the uh main four might even touch not even touch on nhl but i do want to hit you up about Men's college basketball, specifically Oklahoma State, go Pokes. Our Cowboys here are riding one heck of a good time as it comes. Uh, sweeping Bedlam and then, of course, beating TCU at home this past weekend. How have you thought about the season so far? How do you think it's going? Yeah, I mean, lately, you cannot complain if you're an Oklahoma State fan. It didn't start too hot, especially in Big 12 play, but man, have they turned a corner. Since that three-game losing streak, losing to Texas, K-State, and Baylor, looked like a totally different team. Like you mentioned, swept Bedlam, beat a good Iowa State team at home, and most recently TCU. So, I mean, there were so many frustrating games to start the season, but I feel like things are really turning, and that's a good sign. When you see that kind of thing happen, especially in college basketball, things aren't going to be pretty at the beginning of the season always, especially when you have so many new faces and not even just that, but just, you know, just a totally different dynamic of how they want to play on offense. I think that was a big thing that shifted too. So I'm really excited and happy what I see from this team right now. They are playing really good ball and that's what they need to be doing going into March. Yeah. The the best thing is of course on a three game win streak, but we've we're now five and five in conference play. And, you know, most of those wins are, are at home, uh, but we're 10 wins at home here on the season as well, too. What what do you think this team needs to do to really make a good push for March? I mean, if the season stopped today, do you think we're in? I do. I think we've done enough to get in at this point. I think beating a team like Iowa State and TCU, those are two tournament teams. And I, I left out West Virginia. That was one of our first, our first Big 12 win of the season. So I would definitely... Say As of right now, I think we should be in. I think when the committee looks at our schedule, they they see that our non-conference was pretty solid. I wouldn't say it was like the strongest, but I mean, just look at, I mean, the conference that we play in. I think any Big 12 team who's on the bubble will get even more consideration to get in because of the tough conference that we play in. And I think that's going to be huge for any Big 12 team who's on the bubble because I think the committee should look at that. I mean, day in, night in, night out, you're playing a team who can beat you. Like there's no easy win in the big 12. And I think that does a lot of good stuff for this team. So if if we can finish, honestly, if we can finish 500 in the conference, that would be huge. Of course, if we can pick up one of these home wins against Kansas, uh, I know we play Baylor at home still and Kansas state. So if we can knock off at least one of those teams and, you know, just, just kind of beat teams who we need to beat. example, Texas tech, we need to beat Texas tech. That's a win we must have at home. 
you know, take care of business at home, maybe steal a couple on the road. I think, I think we'll be looking pretty in in the March. Yeah, I, I got to agree. We have eight games remaining on the schedule. A lot of the games are against tough teams. You got just the Big 12. The Big 12 is a fight in a phone booth at the end of the day. You cannot get clear of it. There might be eight teams that make the tournament. There might be six teams that make the tournament every single year. This year, it's looking like maybe one of those years that it is more likely eight than, you know, than six. Now, it'll probably be seven in the day. And we'll split the difference here. But that's really just more on OU's downfall at the end of the day than anything else. I I would like to say the Texas Tech game here Wednesday, uh, February 8th, that's being played, I think is a key matchup. But I'm trying to think of how many more wins I can see on the schedule for us. Last year, we did great when we played at Iowa State, but recently today was announced that Avery Anderson is going under surgery on his wrist. Um, so our star point guard, or one of our star point guards, I should say, but our senior guard who does have a lot of playmaking abilities and a lot of offensive you know, kind of ability at least is not out for the season but it's out indefinitely how much of an impact do you think that makes for for this season here and for us really trying to go on a, a run towards march yeah that's tough i honestly did not even see that i did not i knew he was out last game from an injury but i did not see that they listed him as in out indefinitely that sucks um i mean that does hurt you know he's a senior who has experience on this team, you know, he's played in March before, so it's always good to have that kind of experience. So I think it will hurt in a way, but like we saw last game, this team stepped up when they needed to. We saw Asbury have an incredible game. Uh, John Wright, if I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right. Um, I'm blanking right now. And I know he goes by like the third or something. I think it's John Michael John Wright. John Michael Wright, yeah. Yes, that was what it is. So those two stepped up incredibly last game so if we can get that kind of production from those two who are both also seniors I think that would be huge but yeah I mean if, if to say that Avery Anderson's injury is not going to be you know a negative to us would be an understatement I, I do hope that he gets back and healthy hopefully before like the big 12 tournament because it, it'd be huge to have him but I think what we saw out of this team against TCU was promising especially John Michael Wright and Asbury stepping up when they needed to. I mean, those two were huge for us at the end of that game. So um, in a way, yes, but I think we can be okay if, if we have the right lineup out there. Yeah, I do agree. I, I think we can be okay. What's concerning to me, and that's probably not the right word, but what is concerning to me is that we have so many ranked matchups coming up here. Uh, you know, I mentioned we have – you know, basically, we have eight games left on the season in the regular season. Excuse me, nine. Uh, nine games left in the regular season here. And what? I mean, Baylor, 14th in the nation. K-State, 12. TCU, 17. Got to play them again, of course. It's at their place. KU's ninth. And then Iowa State, 11th. So, unfortunately, Texas Tech here at home coming up on Wednesday. And then West Virginia and Texas Tech are the only, the only three games we have left here that are are not ranked and as a team that's not ranked currently maybe we will be ranked if we can keep on this winning streak but i don't want to get ahead of ahead of where we're at here are, are you going to be able to go to the game here um and i know you've uh gone to a couple this season so far how's it been the atmosphere in galgariva yeah the, the atmosphere has been pretty awesome i mean if you 
let's see, going back to the Big 12 play, that's when I really remember the crowd getting, you know, bigger. I think they've they've done what they can to get people there at Gallagher-Iba. And so since – I'd say since that OU game, that's the one I remember the most. I guess Texas maybe, but that was when students were still off campus for, for Christmas break, winter break. But, man, since that OU game, I feel like every home game has been pretty good. I mean, it could be could be better, but I think for the most part, the crowd is loud, and you're get, they're, they're feeding off of that crowd, and that's what we need. I mean, in college basketball especially, a home team can have – a home crowd can have such an impact on a home team. And the team, you know, if they get into a drought or they start playing bad, they can feed off that crowd to get back into it. So it has been – fun to watch this team play at home because I think we have had nice crowds, but let's get, let's get more people in there. Let's, let's get that place packed all the way. Let's support this team to the final end. We only have a couple home games left. We've got Texas tech, Kansas, Baylor and Kansas state, some, some very big teams in the conference. So let's get it packed. Let's help these guys make it to March because they're playing really good right now. Hard style basketball. Let's get, let's get a crowd there. Uh Who's who's been the player that you've been most impressed with this season? Oh man, I've I've been loving Caleb Boone, man. Caleb Boone just taking over games, and let, let me give him a shout out. He just won Big Twelve Player of the Week. But my gosh, during this win streak, Caleb Boone has just been unbelievable. He just scored twenty five the other day against TCU. He really put the team on his back when they needed him. I mean, he's he's not even just scoring points; he's getting big rebounds. He's blocking shots. I mean, he's just making such a presence on this team. And I love his positivity. He's always got good energy when he's out there. So I've been very impressed with Caleb Boone. I knew he could be good and I knew he could be this good, but still I am very happy to see what he's doing this season. I mean, things could, I know there's been kind of inconsistent things with him, especially last year, we kind of saw him go in and out, really not knowing what kind of player he was, but this year, I think he's kind of, you know, answered all the questions that he's doing what he should be doing. Uh, he's the senior guy that you need in that lineup and he's been doing what he needs to. So I've, I've loved watching him this season. Yeah. I think he's been awesome to, to see play this season, having a season high 25 and, and trying to go back here. I think that's a team high 25 points for any one player on the season. He actually has the second most points scored in a game this season for the Cowboys as well, too. Uh, back when he played at Kansas, you know, and, that game, I, I think we got robbed at the end of the day. Uh, that game was laughable, and you watch the final play, it looked like Bryce Thompson kind of got hit on the arm too. But Thompson Boone had 23 points in the KU and K-State game respectively earlier this season, and then Boone had 25, which most points scored by any player on OSU's roster this season um, in one game, which 25 points when you're only putting up 79 points in a game is a huge amount. It's just a huge, you know, huge cut of the pie there. Do you, do you think that maybe Musa Sisi being out a little bit has helped him get that extra playing time or extra kind of basically creativity or floor space uh, so he can operate a little bit more down low? Because he's not he's not a three-point shooter. We know that. Sure. I mean, definitely, I think it, it, I think it helped in a way. I think his style of play and, you know, not having Sisi out there, I think he maybe took on a little bit more on the floor. So I think... I think that probably did help him a little more, maybe gain some more confidence as well. But even since Cisse has been back and Cisse has been getting some minutes, they've been playing pretty well together. And I know there's not, they haven't been on the court at the same time all the time when they play, but when they are on the court, I feel like they're both making a positive impact on this offense and on this defense. So yes, I do think it helped in a way, 
because we were able to get Woody Newton in there. And I think that was also kind of a, a different style of our offense that weren't, that we're usually accustomed to. So yes, but I mean, I, I think he's just continuing what he's been doing since then. And I think even with CSA back, it makes us more dangerous. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. CSA has, you know, scored 18 points, you know, in the game before that at OU is for his, I think his season high. And, you know, CSA scored the most amount of points in a couple of OSU games this season, which being a guy who's seven feet tall and primarily known for alley-oop finishes and dunking the ball around the rim uh, is surprising to me. But what's not too surprising to me is that this Oklahoma State team has played well on defense. I think defense has been the identity at the end of the day. And so it's great to see that we're also able to score a lot of points here, scoring above 70 in the, I think, the past several games here. Basically, have to go back to the, you know, Iowa State game to see the last time we didn't score 70. And we ended up winning that one at home even. Uh, was one heck of a nail biter there. But I also want to ask here, going into this season, you and I talked a couple different times previously about, oh man, like, you know, the transfer guys we got in hopefully are good, but the transfer guys we're losing here were key guys. One, Rondell Walker, we thought would emerge and, you know, be a lot better on this team. And then the other one, Ice, Isaac or Ice Likely, who, you know, was really like the captain of the team, quote unquote, but definitely like the premier playmaker and that type of stuff. Are you surprised that we haven't really missed either of those two guys here um, this season? So I was actually not upset to lose likely. I was pretty much done with him. I think he did great for us for the years he started. And I, I do appreciate the loyalty that he gave to us and, you know, he could have left way earlier and he didn't. So got to respect him for that. But I mean, from an offensive standpoint, I kind of was just ready for him to go. So I don't, I don't think we miss him too much. And I'm, I'm, I think it's been kind of refreshing to not have to have him on offense at times, because I think there was just times where it felt like we were playing five on four. So likely um, no, but I mean, Rondell Walker, maybe a little bit. I did. I did like him when he was with us. I thought he had a lot of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't, I just blanked on the word as I was thinking about it, but I did think he had a lot of um, potential. That's what I was looking for. Like, I think he had a lot of potential and I like what he did his freshman year last year. I feel like he was okay, but I mean, I thought by junior year, he would have been an even better player. So yeah, I think, I think I am a little su more surprised about Walker, but likely nah, not too much, but I mean, the transfers that we have have stepped in greatly. Like I just said, Asbury has been a great, and John Michael Wright's been been having some good games too. So I think they've they've taken their spots as needed. Yeah, for sure. And I also think what helps out here is basically it's gonna take a minute to for them to get basically a custom team. Bryce Thompson is a guy who's been streaky, I you know, consistently. He's been up and down the entire season, which I know is an oxymoron there, but I do want to say it's just not not a great deal. If if you're Oklahoma State team trying to establish some type of consistency and you have, you know, a brand new point guard coming into play and you have Asbury coming into play basically the four spot, but then unfortunately has a death in the family and several weeks, it's a tough deal and inconsistency early in the season. I know there's a couple of games we've lost early on that we would really have liked to win, of course. The key key one being is what I think we hate lost a game against I'm going to go back here, and I know everyone's just probably shouting at me as they listen to this podcast here of the game we lost earlier in the season. I can't remember, but 
That's it's like you. you lose one or two earlier on in the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that SIU game by one. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, what, what looks like a tough game here, UCF, which I don't even know if they're projected to make the tournament or not. Of course, we'll pay them every year here, I think, going forward. Um, at least how the Big 12 football schedule seems to work out. We get to play all the new teams every year. But the UConn, UConn game is is okay that we lost, right? At the end of the day, like, we're not we're not too mad about some of the other losses earlier in the season, or should we be focusing on those a little bit more, too? Yeah, and actually, at the time, and I'm not saying that it was okay, because I still think we should have won that Southern Illinois game, no doubt. But actually, if you look at what Southern Illinois is doing this season – I don't think the loss looks as bad as we think it does right now. They're they're in second place in their conference. Actually, they're tied for first with Drake in the Missouri Valley. So Southern Illinois is actually having a pretty solid season. They have a chance to get in the tournament. So, yes, it was not a good lo- – obviously, no loss is good. But it wasn't good then. It isn't good now. But it isn't as bad as you may think it looks at this time. So that's kind of a positive, I would say. I mean, if that team was like – 500 in the Missouri Valley, then you're looking back saying, yeah, that's, that's awful. You can't lose that game. But I do think in a way the committee will look at that and say, yeah, Southern Illinois, probably not the worst loss in the world. So it, take a positive with it in a way. Uh, but besides that, honestly, um, you mentioned UCF. UCF's okay. They're, I don't think they're going to make the tournament unless they go on some crazy run. But UCF, probably a game we should have got. Yeah, you mentioned UConn. I mean, Virginia Tech's a good team. Virginia Tech has a lot of uh, talent on that team they actually battled some injuries and suffered there and the start of conference play but they're a lot better than their record says so I don't think we have a terrible terrible loss on our schedule like I said that SIU one might be the worst but it's not even as bad as it looks to be honest so well I'll take that because because we definitely need some uh, positive news from those early losses in the season is, is there is there something that you think the Big 12 is going to have a big drop off here when when OU and Texas leave? I know this is kind of a separate topic here and not necessarily on this season, but we've been known as the best basketball conference, I'd say, you're in my mind since we knew Oklahoma State existed basketball wise. You know, we're always going to be biased towards we have the toughest schedule and the toughest conference to play through. But definitely this season, and I'd say the past two or three, it's been, oh my gosh, the Big 12 is a gauntlet to go through in basketball. Do you think after Texas and OU leave, but we gain four other schools, right? UCF, Houston, huge one. Cincinnati, seems like they're always around the tournament or at least fighting to make it. And then BYU. Yeah, do you think with adding those four, even though we're losing OU in Texas, do you think we'll still be known as like the conference, um, you know, when it comes to college basketball? Yeah, I do. I think we'll be fine. I mean, Texas, they're pretty solid every year. I would give them, for the most part, like they're always competitive. But OU, I mean... I know we've seen them have some good years, but are we really going to miss OU in basketball? I mean, I mean, we still got Baylor. We've got Tech. Kansas, of course. Kansas is is the grandfather of this conference. I mean, there's still so many teams that I think we'll be just fine. We have plenty of teams in here. Losing OU in Texas, whatever. Like, to me, I don't think it's even a big deal. I think adding, adding Houston is going to be great. You know, what they've done over the last couple of years has been amazing. So adding a team like that to our conference will be good. Um, but I think these teams will benefit from going to the Big 12. I mean, we know they're in smaller conferences now, but I feel like they're only going to get better coming to the Big 12, being able to get recruits. 
because look at you could look at UCF. They're a big school in Florida. Sure, they might be losing recruits to the big schools, Florida, Florida State, et cetera. But I think that will help them with their move to the Big 12 for sure. So UCF, I think they'll be good. They'll be fine. Houston, of course, BYU, same kind of thing. I think they're going to help with – they're going to get much better with recruiting in their area, Big 12 basketball. And then Cincinnati, yeah, Cincinnati is always around too. So I think the conference as a whole will still be the strongest. Um, Losing Texas and OU, whatever. To me, I don't think it's a huge deal, to be honest. Yeah, I think they probably are splitting. The, we're probably splitting the difference on losing one versus the other. Um, OU has been known for getting some really good draft picks. I mean that Trey Young, Blake Griffin, probably several others ones, several other ones I can name. Buddy Heel comes to mind immediately as well too. But at the end of the day, you know, Kate Cunningham, Marcus Smart, you know, we can name a couple of mistake guys to make myself feel better. The other part of it is Texas. Texas seems to always be good, not just have good players, you know. And with all due respect to OU, all three of the players I just named or for their team are really good players who got drafted in the NBA and are having, you know, NBA type of careers that lead into, you know, at least all-star nons and Buddy Heal definitely kind of, you know, all-type player selections. But Texas leaving, I think, is one that's going to be a bummer at the end of the day. I would love to see the, the SEC Challenge, as we have the Big 12 SEC Challenge, where we get to play Texas every so often just because, one, yeah, this year we've lost to Texas. You know, I think we got swept by him actually. But usually every year we play him pretty darn competitively. And, you know, I know a couple years ago, Big 12 Championship in Kansas City during COVID, we unfortunately lost to them when they got a bye the day before. But with all that being said, I think the Big 12 is really a gauntlet, and I do agree. I do agree that with the new four teams, Houston is going to be good for forever, it seems, with Kelvin Sampson too. Um, as long as he doesn't send too many texts to the players, though. Uh, great. Um, it's a joke if you if you know why he had, had to leave OU. I, I sent you earlier today uh, a tweet that I found where the Big 12 Conference records for the last three seasons. Uh, it's from at CBK Report from Parker Hammond. Baylor number one, Texas, yeah, excuse me, Kansas number two, Texas number three, all having really, really great records in the Big 12 through the last three seasons. You know, at you know, Baylor 39, 33 and 9, KU 32 and 14, Texas 29, 16. The fourth team, though, it did surprise me at Oklahoma State because we haven't made the tournament every single year over the past three seasons. We definitely missed it last year. We haven't been just a killer team overall in my mind in the Big 12, right? Um, I, I do think that Boynton is putting together really, really good teams, really, really great group of guys on the court every year, but it always comes through, it seems like, at the end. You know, we have a couple stumbles we have the earlier loss we just talked about this season against southern illinois doesn't look great and you know i mean ucf doesn't look great and then last year of course we had the loss that was just mind-numbing against oakland but with all that being said moyne has led the oklahoma state team here to the fourth best record in the big 12 over the last three seasons i do want to put in context it's 24 and 22 so it's not like it's a winning record and we're just you know boyne's just blowing out the water in the big 12 because he's not and I think if he was, we'd know. But it's 24 and 22. It's the fourth best record in the Big 12 for the last three seasons. When number five there, Texas Tech is made to a national championship. I think in the past, I think three seasons ago, if I have that right. And they have a worse record in the Big 12 than we do. So anything to speak to here as far as being surprised by this stat or just, you know, kind of, oh, okay, you know, that seems about right. I mean, what are you thinking about Boynton right now? As yeah. Coach as well. I was very surprised to see Oklahoma State number four 
in that ranking over the last three seasons. I mean, I know we had that really good year with Cade Cunningham and uh, that was a great, a great run we made in the tournament, but man, I, if you would have told me Oklahoma state had the fourth best record over the last three seasons of the big 12 conference, I would have said no way. Like I would not have believed it, but seeing some of these records has me really surprised. I mean, West Virginia, much worse than us, 18 and 27, Iowa state 14 and 32. How about that? They've had the worst stretch over the last three seasons in the big 12 and they've been one of the best in the conference this season. So yeah, that is a very surprising list to me. I mean, Oklahoma state number four, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that just shows that we are a good team and we can show up in big games and we can beat good teams. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool to see how, how well we've done over the last three years. I know that doesn't always say that mean that we're going to be an amazing, incredible team that goes to the national championship, but this is the best conference in America and for them to be doing this well is, is awesome to see. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about Boynton before I get my thoughts here. Cause I, I think he's been a really good coach here for, for the program. I think he's weathered several different storms, whether it be the FBI stuff uh, that was slinging overhead. And then the NCAA sanctions on top of that, as well as being a first time head coach, who's not from, this area of the country originally. I mean, he's definitely, as any Oklahoma State fan knows, he is proudly from the Brooklyn, New York area. And then he went to, of course, he played college ball at South Carolina. So what have you thought about Boynton's basically career here at Oklahoma State so far? Yeah, I've definitely appreciated, you know, sticking around, helping us get into out of these funks that we seem to get in at times. And I love what he's been doing from a recruiting side. I think he's bringing as much talent as he possibly can. I mean, he, he landed Cade Cunningham. That's, that's just huge to have to do that in this day of college basketball, especially to win, win him over, you know, Kentucky. I know Kentucky was a finalist for him. So I've been impressed how he usually goes out and he's aggressive in the recruiting field, but man, um, from a coaching standpoint, I think sometimes it can be frustrating. I know, to start the season, you know, there's, there's, and you can't blame it all on coaching. Sometimes it's just the players too. Um, there's, I guess you can kind of mix it all together, but the offense was so frustrating to watch this season. I mean, we talked about our defense. It's the number seven rated defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. Um, de- adjusted defense efficiency is what I'm referring to. Number seven in the country. That's awesome. But the offense, I mean, before this little winning streak we got, it was just so hard to watch. We would go in droughts, and I would like to see a little bit better, you know, of a game plan from the offensive standpoint. I think we could see something better there. Um, lately, it's been better, I have to admit. I like what I'm seeing. We're scoring points, and if, if you can score, obviously, over 70 points in a game with this kind of defense, you have a chance to win any of those games. So I like what I'm seeing recently, but I would like to see him – maybe a little bit better with a game plan on offense. I mean, sometimes out of timeouts, I get frustrated because I feel like we, we, we burn a timeout, but we come out totally unprepared. So little things, but I think overall he's done just fine with us. And I think if he can get us to the tournament year this year, that will be huge momentum going forward. Yeah. I gotta say, I think he has done a really, really good job coaching this team. And a really good job, basically in, in all aspects except for one key one, and and that would be just 
offensively, we looked subpar at times. I mean, going four of 24 against Baylor. Baylor, I watched the whole game. Baylor was giving us shots to make. Those were the only shots we were getting, but they were giving us shots. And I'm not going to be mad about a coach when guys miss shots at the end of the day, like over a game or two. You know, if we have a game where we score 59 and we don't win, but the next, you know, the rest of the games are scoring in the 70s, awesome. And I think that's more or less what I want to side with here, too. On, okay, you know what? I think it's more on the players. And, man, you know, having Cissé miss some of the season last year to a death in the family. Having Asbury miss some of the season this year to a death in the family. Having likely missed some of the season due to Mono. Having Cade miss a couple of games here and there. There's always stuff we can point to about that. But to bring it full circle... Doesn't every team have that type of deal? I mean, I don't think we're the only team in the country that has guys miss like a couple weeks here and there. And when I'm talking about Asbury missing some of this season, and you know, CC's missed some of the season too with an ankle injury. Yeah, it's it's rough, but I don't think if either of those two guys is the best player on our team by far and away that we're really missing every night. So when they miss games, okay, you know what? Yeah, it's the Big 12. It sucks. It's really tough. Uh, but I'm also not willing to give us just a bunch of wiggle room. I would love for the arena, as Galgaribe Arena, historic Galgaribe Arena, I might say, to be just packed and slammed with students and fans, all type of stuff out the door for every game to make up for when players are out. But then again, I went to the game earlier this year where it was a non-conference game against Prairie View A&M. We won 78-53. to We blew the, blew the doors off of them as we should. You know, the, the game was... Uh, November 27th, so it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And you know what? It was a lot of fun to be in the building and watch that game. But also, no one no one cared to show up. I mean, it was it was myself and, you know, seemed like a couple other thousand people, but definitely not in the double-digit thousands, you know, not 10,000. And I know it's tough. I know the Sunday after Thanksgiving football game was just the day before. It's going to be a tough deal getting people out. But there's other games I can point to, too, here just throughout the schedule where I'm like, okay, December 20th, wh where were you? Where are you going to the Texas A&M Corpus Christi game on a Tuesday? You know, that was during the day. Like, I mean, I unfortunately, I didn't make it that one. You know, I would have liked to fly in a little bit earlier to make that one, but it was during the day. And there's a bunch of other games where it's like, all right, you know what? Like, okay, at KU, sucks when we lose by two, you know, but Texas game. You know, West Virginia game. Like, was the arena just slammed with people? That's the difference that we can make as fans for Boynton and really to show up and be excited because this team right now is on a three-game win streak. Nothing to nothing to balk at. But then again, I would love to see the attendance just really come back here. As I don't want to get too ahead of myself, I don't think this is going to be a great football season for us. And I'd love for everyone to understand that now yeah. while it's the time to come to the last four big games of the basketball season that are at home instead of looking at it and going, well, you know what? Uh, we're a football school because we're just not going to be a football school this season. Alan Bowman could blow the lights out of the water and just really surprised me. We could go on a tear and he could win the Heisman trophy, but I don't know what the odds are because they're not listed. That's how far the odds are on him being able to do that. So with all being said, I just really, I really want us to get back to being more of a basketball school, basketball powerhouse. I would love to go to the game this Wednesday against Texas Tech. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to go to the game against Kansas um, on the February 14th when I'm back in town. But 
I could not harp enough on how much of a difference it makes from you and I knowing as Oklahoma State students when we're there, when it's just a packed house, how much you can feed off of that as a player and as a fan too. I mean, just really the excitement and the enjoyment of the game in that atmosphere is unparalleled, I think, in college basketball. Grant, I haven't been to like Rupp Arena or seen the Cameron Crazies or anything like that. But Big 12-wise, Fog Allen doesn't do much for me. I mean, it just really isn't that big of a deal. But Gallagher-Iba does, especially when it's just slammed with students and fans um, at the end of the day. And I think Boynton's in a spot here where if it doesn't work out well this season, we don't make it to the tournament, then I don't think he's going to let go this year. But he's probably on the hot seat next year as far as season goes, bringing in another top 10 recruiting class in the nation. But you keep doing that, but you don't keep making the tournament. There's just going to be questions that are going to be asked here of like, how, why is our players, why are our players not developing that well? Why could likely not hit free throws at the end of the day? You know, why was he just absolutely a horrible three-point shooter through his whole career? And honestly, he was a great playmaker. I know he had mono for like a whole like month and a half. And I know he had to deal with several different lineup changes, but then again, he's he's not blowing out of the water, you know, blown out of the water at Ohio State either. We're not missing likely a ton because we're like, oh my gosh, love to have him on the team. Not missing Rondo Walker a ton either because we're like, oh my gosh, love to have him on the team. Instead, we probably likes a little bit more depth at center right behind Cisse because Boone's just an undersized five, even in college basketball. But I don't know. I just, Keelan Boone, you know, transferred to a very small school here um, on the West Coast and not missing him too much either. So some of the games I'd love to see more offense be scored. The Texas game where we score 46 just is mind-boggling to say the least. That's one of the lower points on the season. Doesn't help at all that we lost the next two games as well. But I don't know. Um, I'm at a loss for words on on why we can't score some games as well, too. You know, I, I don't know what the key difference would be. It just seems like we're just the shots are just not falling absolutely at all. And the offensive playmaking or creativity seems to somewhat be there, but just going off the side of the rim. Yeah. I mean, it, it is frustrating at times. And I mean, there's, there were some hard times when watching this team this season, just going such long droughts without scoring. I mean, five minutes. I, I remember specifically that Texas game at home, we were literally right in that game. It was a super ugly, low-scoring, 46, 40-something kind of game. Eight minutes to go. We were right there. And our offense scored two points in the final, like, eight minutes. And I can't remember, 15 seconds. I'm just throwing that. But at least eight minutes. I mean, you cannot do that. In college basketball, especially at home, you just cannot do that. You cannot afford to go that long of a time without scoring, especially the last eight minutes of the game. I think the last – two points we scored were like free throws too. So just really frustrating at times what, what our offense can, can do, but you know, hopefully they've turned a corner like we're, like we're saying here and, and have gained some momentum and figure out a way to be more efficient on the offensive side, because we know the defense is there. We know the defense is there. It keeps us in games most of the time. So we need, we need to just keep it going, you know, keep that momentum and not to, to, go completely on what you were just saying, but I want to piggyback on it really quick. If we want to get back to being an elite program, like Calvin was saying, we need to fill the seats. Like it doesn't matter if we're playing OU or Kansas. It shouldn't matter that we're just playing those teams. We should be filling the seats for non-conference games. Look at Allen Fieldhouse. They'll play a division three team and they'll fill the stadium 
you know, for a sold out crowd. We got to get back to that level. We got to get back to it where we are in there, no matter who we play, support the team. And, you know, yeah, we, it's great. Get, get crowded there for a big 12 game. We love that, but we, we need it for other games too, not just these big 12 games. So yeah, let's get more people there. Let's support this team. Let's get back to an elite program. We, we can get there, but it all starts with us too. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest deal with it is that I remember the first, the first game I went to as a student that I just had a blast at was the Memphis game back in 2012, where I'm old, but that was my freshman year of college at Oklahoma State. And I'm saying I'm old to be funny here because I'm not that old, but the freshman year of college was Marcus Smart and us beating Memphis, a top 15 team in the nation that they may, may have been even been top seven and just blowing the doors off of them. And really just the crowd going nuts the entire time. It was much like the TCU game this weekend from the first half where it wasn't a game the whole game. It was funny because it was like, oh, okay, Memphis is coming to town. They're favored as the away team. We don't really lose. And then we just we just couldn't lose. We couldn't lose that game. Um, it, it was amazing at the end of the day. So I, I got to say, I, I think we are a really, really good team. And as I look through the schedule here for the rest of the season, I think we can, you know, I think I think we can make the tournament. But I'm uh, I'm just a little worried at the end of the day how we're going to face up against the rest of the Big Twelve because it just is a gauntlet. You know, Texas Tech, just not an automatic win. You know, on Wednesday night, I wish it was. But uh, we're not going to have like win here, team. We don't get to play against like the uh, Vanderbilts of the SEC or the uh, and Vanderbilt honestly might have a good season. I'm not sure, but we don't get to play against the teams we like could have an easy schedule against. You know, I mean, when you UCLA plays, and it's just like a laughable game at the end of the day. We don't have a Washington State to play. We're also not as good as UCLA is this year, but you know, you can never take an eye off in the Big Twelve. So. Interesting here so yeah. far. I uh I hope we can hope we can pull it out here Wednesday night. But I mean Tech is one and nine in the Big Twelve, so should be should be able to beat them, you'd think. The last place team in the Big Twelve. So you know, that just know. tells you that just tells you right there, Calvin, how good this Big Twelve is. I mean, I the worst team from a standpoint. Literally just get the standings. Texas Tech is bottom one and nine in the conference, but they're still like they're they're not an awful team. Like, yeah, they're not the Texas Tech team we've seen in recent years. Of course not. But I mean, they just beat Iowa State last week at home. They were right there with Kansas just a month ago. They played teams tough. Yes, there's a couple blowouts in that in that uh, schedule with them, and they're just not good as uh, as we've seen them before. But man. It is not an easy win, and that just shows you how good the Big 12 is, literally. like Because we are playing the worst team in the Big 12, it's not even a guaranteed win. So, yeah, good good point there, and we got to be ready to come out on Wednesday because that is a win. It's 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 not – obviously, it's not a must-win, but it feels like a must-win. you got to win this at home. You're, you're in the Big 12. You're facing Iowa State next and then Kansas. It will not get any easier. So win this game, get back up above 500 in the conference, and then, you know – Win what you can at home going forward. You know, just try to try to steal games where you can, but 
got to win this one against Tech. Yeah, is there is there anything I'm missing here from like any of our Big 12's big storylines I'm missing here? I mean, I know I know TCU, we faced them, we won by six here at home, and it was a close game there at the end for sure. They didn't have Kenny, they didn't have Lampkin. Uh, I think it's Kenny Lampkin, but my might be wrong on his first name, but Lampkin, and they didn't have Mike Miles either. Are you worried about the TCU game here later on in the season? Is there other big storylines I'm missing from the Big 12 here as well? Um I mean, TC, that's the thing. When you beat it, when you beat a Big Twelve team once in this in the regular season, it's almost like so hard to beat them again. Like, it's going to be so hard to go into Iowa State, Ames, and and beat them there. They're so good at home. I mean, they haven't lost all year. They've beaten Texas. They just steamrolled Kansas. So, when you look at that, when you look at it from that perspective, it's tough. So that's why I say how important it is to win at home because when you can steal those home games, I feel like it's obviously not as pressure to win that road game next time you face that team. So, um, yeah, the TCU game in a couple weeks, that'll definitely be tough. I, I would imagine they will have Miles back by that point. And, of course, Lampkin, who, who missed this most recent game. You know, it, there's going to be tough games on the schedule. But as, as I said, if you can take care of business at home, still maybe one or two on the road. I think we'll be in good business and we can make it to the, to the more, um, to March madness. But I mean, if you're talking, are you wanting to know more about like big 12 teams too, from, or are you just wanting to know more about like our schedule? Cause I can kind of talk about that too. Yeah. I, I kind of want to just talk about, talk about both here at, at the end of it. Yeah. Right. I know a lot of people listening here are big Oklahoma state fans, but the, the depth of knowledge that I have for Oklahoma State far exceeds the knowledge I have for any other team in the Big 12. Want we'll to make sure around all, you know, all, all platforms here, all, all ideas. Is there, who do you think is going to win the Big 12 at the end of the day? I mean, I would love to say oh, it's going to be Oklahoma State by far and away. It's going to be us. We're going to take it. And we're going to win the whole national championship too. And added with that, um, Joe Biden's going to make sure that Oklahoma State's the only team that can recruit the top five players in the country every year for the next 20 years. But it's just probably not possible. So, what do you think is possible here? What do you think is realistic here and who's going to win the Big 12? Yeah, I mean, literally, just looking at it, Texas is first, 8-2. and two. And then if you look down the list, you've got Iowa State, 7-3, and three, Kansas State, 6-4, and four, Kansas, 6-4, and four, TCU, Baylor, all 6-4. and four. So, honestly, anyone from Baylor and up, I feel like is all in play to win the Big 12. I really do. I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite, even with Texas having a two-game lead. If they lose tonight, that's already cut to one. So I think – I will say this, though. I really like this Baylor team. This Baylor team did not start Big 12 play well, but, man, do they have talent. And they've been playing really well lately. They've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their last eight games. And those are games they've won on the road. They beat Kansas. So they've they've seemed to turn a corner. And they're getting much healthier, too. I mean, they have a stud – freshman and Keontae George he averages 17 points a game we still can't forget they have Adam Flagler LJ Cryer transfer from West Virginia Jalen Bridges and their most recent player who just came back from injury I won't get his name right Chikawa I think I'm saying that right but he is a huge addition to their team he just came back from an injury Uh, he is a 6'8 senior and uh, a forward who is just going to be so huge for them down the stretch. So I really like this Baylor team, even if they don't win the big 12, 
they will be a tough out in the March Madness tournament. I really feel like they are going to be a tough out in March Madness. A lot of these guys have experience playing in the tournament. And of course, when you've got a guy like Scott Drew leading your team, you know, you're going to have so much, so much of a chance to, to win games in March. So I really like this Baylor team. I think they will be tough to beat in March, but from a big 12 perspective, man, it's so hard to pick one team just to win it right now. I could say Texas and be easy about it because they're first in the conference, but I would, how about this? How about Iowa state just because of how well they've been playing lately. Mm -hmm. And because of the year they're having, how about that? How about Iowa state? That'll be my, my out of, not that it's like super bold or anything, but let's say Iowa state, let's change it up for a little bit. Yeah. would love to see KU not just win it by default almost every school year. I forget if they won it last year or not, but they won the national championship. That's what matters to them. Right. Um, it, it's one of the, and I might be wrong on that. It's just one of those things where, you know, I could see Iowa state winning the big 12. I could also see, you know, I could see randomly Baylor going on a huge run. In fact, I could see K state doing something crazy too. Um, K state's had one of those seasons this year where I just didn't see that at all with a brand new head coach. And, you know, I mean, if they, if they won the big 12 and, Football and well, probably first time that that's been done in the Big 12 history. Um, I'm probably forgetting a time that, you know, another team did that. But at the end of the day, like, I don't see OU or Texas Tech or West Virginia doing it. I don't necessarily see us doing it either. But I'd love to see, yeah, Iowa State, you know, 16 and 6 record overall right now, 7 and 3 in the Big 12. Why not them? You know, could, could definitely see that as well, too. Yeah. As and- you're looking just through college basketball landscape as a whole here, who do you, who do you like to maybe make it to the final four here or, you know, four teams we can watch out for? I'm not necessarily going to ask you for a national championship pick because I know that's much harder to do. Sure. Yeah. So before I talk about that, I do want to say Kansas state, very impressive this season. I was not expecting this either. You know, new coach, the assistant from Baylor who came in, he's been phenomenal for them. Keontae Johnson, Marquis Knoll have been really good. The leaders of that team. So Credit to Kansas State. I just don't think they'll have enough to win the Big 12. So that's why I didn't mention them. But I do have to give them a shout out. They're looking really solid this season. And um, they'll obviously be in March, March Madness when we get to it. But yeah, from a college basketball, other other team perspective, who I who I like, who I can see getting there. Man, it's so hard to predict these things because we all know how crazy March Madness is. But just from what I've seen, I, I've already mentioned Baylor. I'm very high on Baylor. I think they have some new. And if, if you're looking at it from like an odds perspective, if you look at like college basketball odds, they're sitting at plus 20,000. I'm sorry, 2,000, not 20,000. I was looking, I thought there's too many zeros. Uh, 2,000 for Baylor. So that is good for the second highest in the Big 12. So Baylor is one of my teams who I like. I've really liked watching this Arizona team too. Arizona looks really good. Their offense is solid. My my biggest concern would be their defense, but I do like how efficient they are on offense and they have so many playmakers on that team who can make shots. So Arizona would be another team to look out for. Um, let's see. I'm just going down the list here. I, I guess Houston would be a team though. I, I just don't... I'm not loving them as much as other people are. I'm just not as high on this Houston team. Purdue, you can make an argument for Purdue. Obviously, Zach Eady in conversation for the player of the year. So 
Houston and Purdue would be like the two top teams right now, according to odds. But man, I I would I would not be shocked if they didn't make it to Final Four. Like I just I'm not high on I'm not as high on Houston as many people are, and honestly, I'm not as high on Purdue. Same with Alabama. Alabama's up there. I'm not high on them. Um, UCLA. I could see UCLA making a little run. They've had they have a lot of experience on their team. They have a nice little starting five with uh, a team they've made that had in recent years. So. Um, definitely UCLA. I would throw them as, as a final four, um, team. And how about this from the big East, a team I really like Xavier. I really like the Xavier Ooh, team. Okay. Yeah. Xavier is a solid, solid team. They are coached by Scott Miller. If you remember the Scott Miller who coached Arizona, um, sat out for, I would guess one or two mm. years and now he's back into coaching. So he's done really well with Xavier and they've got some some studs on that team. I know they're missing one of their better players right now because of injury, but I believe they're going to get them back here soon. So it should be okay for the most part, but yeah, Xavier, another team to look out for come tournament time. I think they'll be ready. And uh, they're 19 and five in the, in overall number one in the conference tie with Marquette, who is another good team. Marquette is, is a top team in the biggie. So I would just, just to name a few teams. Those are my favorites. Like just kind of looking at it, Baylor, Arizona, Xavier, and UCLA, uh, just to name a couple. All right. Well, no, I, I like that a lot. I, I Last year, I loved when we did the March Madness preview. You know, you, Jake, and I did it and then put it out there. And then basically all of my picks were horrible, except for the, I think my final, I think three of my final four were all right. But besides that, that that's the only thing I could hang my hat on. Nothing else was good. I'm one of those guys who I do know what Kempom rankings are, and I look through it quite often, um, mainly at the end of the day to to see who's going to be top here. And yeah, as you're saying, Marquette, eighth best in Kempom rankings here, Houston one, Tennessee two, and UCLA three. Is there um, is there a dark horse team you have out there? Maybe it is Xavier at the end of the day, but a dark horse team out there that you think could emerge here out of the, basically out of all college basketball at the end of the day. Leave it just wide open. Great question. I love looking for dark horses in college basketball, especially March, man. March, we we see those Cinderella teams come out of nowhere and make noise. So if you're looking at it from like a long not not that it's a super long shot, but we have to we have to point out how well this Miami team is doing in the ACC. I mean, as of right now, they're plus eight thousand to win the national championship. So I think I wouldn't even say they're like a dark horse because I think, but I don't know if many people are really talking about them and giving them the credit. They're, I believe, tied for the lead in the ACC. They just dominated Duke tonight. I believe they won that game by like 22 points. So Miami is a sneaky good team who should be getting a lot more respect. And how about, you know what? I'm not going to say they're going to win it all, but I have to talk about them because I've been following them this year. How about Oral Roberts, a small team, Oral Roberts, if ah, you don't remember, hey. the Oral Roberts who made the tournament two years ago and made a run with Max Acemas, who is still there and is still tearing it up. If you go look at what they are doing right now in their conference, they're absolutely dominating. They are just steamrolling teams. And, you know, I hate to say, I feel like they ha- that they're a kind of team who has to win their conference championship to make it to March. But I feel like they should. I feel like they're they're much better than all these other teams. But be on the lookout for them. I feel like they can be sneaky in the tournament. As of right now, they're projected to be a 12th seed. 
they would be a scary 12 seed for a five seed. So Oral Roberts is on my radar. I've been watching them all year. Love what I see from this team. And uh, they've got some experience and they got some guys who are back from that team who made a run two years ago. So watch out for Oral Roberts. Not saying they're going to win it all, but a team to be, to be cautious of come March. Gotcha. Okay. Well, do you want to, do you want to guess um, on, on the camp bomb rankings here, there's adjusted luck, right? And so at the end okay. of the day, like the luck rating. Okay. I'm going to put you on okay. the spot here. Just, just, just fun quiz question to see if you know. Okay. Guess who has the least amount of luck rating in the big 12. Who is who's best and who's worst here? So the, uh, the Big Twelve. So who has the who's been the luckiest and who's been the uh, the most unlucky? Mm-hmm. You're saying yeah. okay. So most lucky. Ooh, I'm just guessing. I have no idea. Um, let's uh, say yeah, yeah. yeah no, let's, I'm just let's say spot. let's say most lucky Kansas. Yep, and they only had there. They are by far and well, I shouldn't. I don't know if it's by far and away. They are the most lucky team in the Big 12. Wow. Followed by Texas. So they have okay. a uh, an average of plus 0.072 in luck. They're 45th in luck. KU is 28th in luck. Okay. So, all right. So most, I guess who's the most unlucky team? The most unlucky team. Hmm. The unluckiest. I think the unluckiest team is how, uh, how I should be saying this here. I'm just trying to think of like so many games that came down to the wire because I feel like there's a team out there who has lost a lot of close games. How about, I'm going to say OU maybe. Mm. No, it's uh West Virginia, oddly enough. West Virginia. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're the unluckiest team in the big 12. They are interesting. The, am I saying this right? They are the 351st luckiest team in the nation. Wow. Um, they are below teams like Creighton, Colorado State, Presbyte- and Presbyterian. Presbyterian's five and twenty. West Virginia's fourteen and nine. Not sure how Presbyterian's played five more games here. I think I'm doing that math right. Um, not sure how Presbyterian's five and twenty, and they have better luck than West Virginia, but they do. Um, some house away. Yeah, so that works. I don't know. You want one more here that I found that was interesting? Just so far here, my uh brief research sure. on how all this works here because basically at the end of the day the Kim Palm rankings here I do think are like a, a, a fun to look at this so adjusted defense here is the one that makes you feel better as an Oklahoma State fan right this is really really good, good year in year out and do say I think I think as Oklahoma State fans we should be priding ourselves on our defense but we're not uh, we're not from Big 12 or excuse me, we're first in the Big 12 in defense. We are, um, let's see here, we are seventh in the nation in, in defense. I think you actually said that earlier on the podcast here. Do you want to yep. guess who's next, though? Next. I feel like I'm pretty sure I've actually seen this because I'm I'm, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure. Iowa State, I feel like I've heard their defense is really good this season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Iowa State 11th in the country in uh, just a defense as well. And then it is in order, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, TCU, Kansas, K-State, and Texas for the top 27 teams in defense in the nation are all wow. those teams here in the Big 12. So that that's one of those things here. West Virginia is not too much farther back. They're 38th um, in the country. And then OU and Texas Tech, I think to almost round it out, although I don't think I've said West Virginia, so I'm curious where they are on this list. Hmm. Um 
yeah, you got yeah, basically uh yeah, you've got Baylor at seventy fourth. Um yeah, and so oh, yeah, I just rolled right past West Virginia. I said them earlier. But yeah, it's one of those things where the Big Twelve is just we're you know the worst team in the Big Twelve on defense is seventy fourth, and we're talking about a very slim margin here at the end of the day. Uh, Baylor is ninety nine point six adjusted defense, and Oklahoma State is ninety point four. When the scale goes from eighty three point nine for Tennessee, all the way to let me see here the three hundred fifty first team in the country, um, all the way to one hundred twenty one. So, got ten points there really in between all the Big Twelve schools and adjusted defense, but all top seventy five in the country on defense, which just goes to show you how good defensively the whole conference is, I think, at the end of the day, right? Yes, well, for sure. For yeah. sure. yeah, well, well, with that being said here, um, make sure you're following at deep pockets. I said at deep underscore pockets with the dollar sign for an S. Um, let me confirm. I know it's been like a weird, that's, that's what like the main name is, yes. If you want the at sign, it's deep pockets bet. But yes, nice. if you if you if you looked deep pockets dollar sign, that's what it is on there. Nice. All right. Well, yeah. Get all of Alexi's best picks of the day um, for everyone who's gambling a little bit or a lot on sports. You get add, you got any Super Bowl prediction here? You favoring the Chiefs or the Eagles? Yeah. So I haven't made any official picks yet, but um, if I uh, my lean as of right now is Kansas City. I just think Ooh. a healthy Mahomes because I think he'll be healthier than what he was in the most recent game. I think having two weeks of rest will help a lot. So I do like Kansas City, but I do expect it to be a very close and entertaining game. So give me Kansas City by a field goal, but very close, nail to like down to the wire kind of game. Like I don't think either team blows each other out. I think it's just too good, too good of teams for that to happen. Well, I'd love to see that. Last year's Super Bowl was not necessarily a true nail biter, but it was a three-point game at the end of the day. So it was a lot of fun to watch. Would love to see that happen again here. Um, with Super Bowl and back-to-back here. It's just another really good game. Last question I'll leave you out on here is Oklahoma State football related. Do we make it to another bowl game this year? We're making it six and six. We're gonna be five hundred. Man, it's gonna be tough. I there's lots of questions to kind of man, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be tough. Let's just say that. But I'll be optimistic and say yes. We do make a bowl game. Will it be pretty that we make that bowl game? No. But the optimist in me says yes, we make a bowl game and we get ready for 2024 because yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm looking forward to right now. Yeah, I gotta say I, I'm in the same boat here. I am hopeful for this upcoming season, but I am not necessarily promising anything to anyone, and I am very hopeful and optimistic for the season after that one, with hopefully a third year of Ollie Gordon and a First full year of Zane Flores, um, who's hopefully the next quarterback we have in the team that I can be super excited about because it seems like it's going to be one down year. But you know what? I'm going to be optimistic. Maybe it's a Taylor Cornelius corndog year. Maybe we knock off a team at home that we shouldn't, you know, when we beat, you know, a team like Texas, we beat in homecoming that year and do something crazy. We have a receiver go off for 180 yards or something catching like we did against Texas a couple of years ago with corndog. So, that being said, you're Alexi. Thanks so much for joining me here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. Please follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more, and we'll catch you guys again soon. Thanks, Calvin.